Welcome to Fashion Forum, a podcast brought to you by the British Fashion Council. I'm Caroline Rush, Chief Executive. Today we bring you a series of conversations highlighting the relationship between the creative industries, celebrating not only fashion designers, but also the broader creative community, all of whom play a vital role in our industry's culture and reputation, promoting British creativity on a global scale. Hi everyone, my name is Gabriella Karifa Johnson. I'm the fashion director of Garage Magazine, and today it is my distinct honor to chat to my very good friend, esteemed image maker, Mr. Campbell Addy. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, it's Campbell here. As Gabby said, I'm a photographer and a good friend of hers, and I'm happy to be on this podcast with you. I was going to say, it's really strange to introduce someone. No. <laughs> especially who I feel at this point doesn't really need an introduction. Um, and I was combing through your accolades and I thought, what am I doing? Compiling all of these amazing moments from Campbell's career. Why don't I just ask him what he's been up to and how he would describe himself? I mean, you said you're a photographer, but like. Well, I just say that because that's what people want to hear, I think. But generally, if it's looking in the mirror and I describe myself, it's like, hello, I'm Campbell. I'm an image maker. I like to be happy. I'm optimistic. And I'm currently trying to figure out what it means to be an adult in 2020. Aren't we all? Yes. I don't think I know what that is yet either. But, you know, growing pains. I love it. Me too. What we're supposed to be talking about, speaking of growing pains, today we're supposed to be talking about breaking boundaries. Yes. So for me, I don't know. Sometimes I have a hard time with that concept of breaking boundaries because I feel as a Black woman, there aren't many areas or avenues that are easily accessible whenever there is some success that takes real energy and effort. Um, And sometimes I resent the feeling that, you know, I've made it because I've, I've, I've reached a certain definition of success. Do you feel like you are a boundary breaker or do you feel? It's funny because I was talking to a close friend of mine recently about it. And at a young age, breaking boundaries was such a huge feat. It was like, yes, I've broken through this and I've been the first to do that. But then as I get older and I become, Uh, well, slightly wiser, a bit more settled in being me. I understand that I don't ever want to be a first or break a boundary in that manner. Mm -hmm. I like to break boundaries as a collective, not as a singular. Because when a singular person like myself breaks a boundary, it doesn't come off as a positive to me anymore. It comes off as a clear reflection of what's wrong in the industry I inhabit. Right. If that makes sense. But then Bacon Boundaries as a collective of people, as a movement of people, I'm all here for. Mm-hmm. Because in order for a people or a section or a group to progress, you need to break the ceiling to show the people that I know this may be your ceiling, but there's more to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's amazing about the industry we work in. There's, there's no you know, boundary or rule, but I think people love to box things in when in reality there shouldn't be right so you see how it's like it's like a double-edged sword we shouldn't break boundaries because why are there boundaries but then to begin with precisely right i completely agree i mean it's funny because i do think at this specific moment in time as we all know the industry is one of many industries that is reckoning with this idea of white supremacy as like a governing principle Mm -hmm. so as black creatives we are almost expected if not definitely encouraged to be mining that space in our work to be like talking about blackness and identity 
and, and mining that trauma and celebrating those triumphs. And in a way, I do feel like that can be incredibly liberating or it can be another boundary. Like it could be another box. Yeah, because it's like, obviously in my work and your work, it's, it's, you can't hide away from it because it's me. We, you know, I reflect myself onto a page or my ideas or what's in my mind. But there's sometimes I'm a multifaceted human, you know. I like, I love couture, I love chicken, but then I also love anime, but then I also <laughs> love beauty gurus. I'm, I'm, you know, to, to be me doesn't mean I'm a monolith or I'm a one type of thing. So it's times where I found the things I enjoy about my work, about celebrating my blackness. Sometimes I find when I do things outside of that, it's not as celebrated mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's like other people obviously see it in a very one-dimensional manner. So when you stay away from that, it's like, oh, you know, like, it's better if you do this. So like I've even been told at the beginning of my career, I don't know if Campbell can shoot white people as well as he shoots black people. It's like that mindset. Oh. You know, like that mindset is a thing where it's like, I don't think like that. Right. But then as I've gone through life, I've had to think about what other people think of that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's cool to like, like other things. But as a black person, it's so, you think about so much more than just, I'm making this piece of work today. You know? right. And a lot of us aren't activists. A lot of us aren't, you know, my work is not political. My body is not political, but the world makes it. A lot of the times, you know, especially during this period, I was like, oh, can you speak on this? Can you say this? I'm like, yeah, but I'm not an activist. There's people out there that generally know what they're doing and are a lot more better suited to be in a situation like that. And I think sometimes in our society, we get confused with activism and just someone living in their truth. There's two different examples, to mm. me, anyway. Well, if we're going to talk about the multitudes in which you exist, I feel like we should circle back to this anime obsession. <laughs> <laughs> that you just mentioned because I feel like that might not be something that listeners know about you and I feel like it does inform your work oh 100% because it's like I grew up on anime I watch I have anime tattoos I like I love printed tees like I love Japan but it's a thing with growing up I never saw a lot of black people or if they were they were always like vilified or ostracized by everyone the blacks are like, oh, you're too white, or, you know, or the white people are, oh, you're weird, like, do you know what I mean? And then in anime itself, the physical black person in anime is so few and far between. Mm. Um, and there's some in Naruto, and there's some in Bleach, and there are, there, but it's not, you know, it's not a, um, and I did a shoot about it, actually, for interview talking about, and I did a shoot based off of one of my favourite animated films, Tech on Concrete, and I just basically imagined if it was, just black characters playing the roles. And a Wang was um, one of the main models and things. But it's, again, it's a thing that it's like, I just, it's something I just love. And then someone, someone may say, oh, we're trying to politicize about putting black people in. It's like, no, I just generally just want to see what I love reflected back with me in it. That's all it is really. Um, but then it's also like storytelling and the use of angles and um, even styling sometimes set design like how it's all encompassed in anime does trickle into some of the work i do mm-hmm. um i wish i could do a comic one day you mm. should do a comic one day i'll style it okay i'll try and learn how to draw <laughs> i have every faith that you would be able to master anime drawing and then we can get yeah it'll be fab. japan trip <laughs> well when they let us oh yeah well, uh, actually, i don't know it is a thing you know i just don't want to get stuck 
I don't want to get stuck either. And I've also almost gotten to the point where I've normalized lockdown and the inability to be traveling where I didn't even like think of that as a reality that is actually impacting what we're doing right now and where we can go right now. How have you been like creatively navigating lockdown? Well, at first it was really hard because obviously it was like, oh my God, fuck, I'm stuck here. I'm stuck here. I'm stuck here. I'm stuck here. And all I can think of is I'm stuck here. Then I'm then seeing everyone do work online and oh, what should we do this? I should we learn French? I should know how to tap dance. Should, you know, all these skills I should have learned. And then half a feel like, you know what? I'm just going to do what inspires me. And it kind of made me revert back to being at uni because he goes, you know, you don't have your production anymore. And then, but it, it kind of humbled me and then kind of allowed me to go into my next phase of like creative evolution in my head. Because now it's like, okay, now what do you really like? You've had like, years of like building to do what you want to do as a kid then getting into what you want to do you're just kind of just doing it because you're happy to be here mm. and then you're like actually no now i know what i want to do i've experienced like a lot of things now i'm at a point where i'm blessed to say i can kind of filter and do what i really love but what do i love and i think that's what quarantine and lockdown has allowed me to home in on because mm-hmm. it's like you don't realize how fast you're working until you have to stop I know. Do you know what I mean? I so know what you mean. And I, at the same time, I think as soon as it all stopped, I was dying to get back to work again, which is like such an interesting assessment of our daily lives and like how work, how the creative process can sometimes be bastardized by the idea that we need to constantly be working. It was like, look at your, I don't know your calendar, but I know we did garage in January, February. January, February, yeah. Right. That feels like years ago. That was then you decades. All yeah. the fashion weeks. Whilst I took it off because I was like, I don't trust this Rona. <laughs> you know, I was already that hypochondria. I was like, no, 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 no. To think you did the garage cover of Kendall, mm-hmm. flying out, did shows, and all these things. And then to think, and then you get stopped. I'm more like wondering how your brain handled it because I was already kind of slowing down. Yeah. I mean, as soon as I had a second to breathe, I really relished that second. Mm-hmm. And I like, I slept and I thought about the next project that I was going to do, but not with any urgency and not with like the same pressure of having to create something new and stay, you know, stay on top of timelines. Like when you really think about it, it's like we have now been conditioned to be putting so much work out and to always be in the conversation. And, and sometimes it's at the, you know, it's to a disservice to like our well-being. Yeah. Some people can work like a cannon, bang, 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 keep banging it out. But the natural, like I remember thinking about, can't remember the documentary, it was Grace Coddington. And I remember she was in a black cab talking about always keep your eyes open and look out because things inspire you. Mm-hmm. And then she talks about a shoot scene with Norman Parkinson on this island with birds. Mm-hmm. And it will never leave me because, not because of the shoot or because it's her Norman, it's the way she said we were there for three weeks and we just got it right. And I was like, Lord have mercy. I don't think I've ever had a shoot for more than like, for an editorial, like two days, three Never. days. And it's a thing where it's like, but then you can see it in the work. Mm-hmm. You can see where they've actually had time to, one, get to know one another. So there's that comfortability between the subject and the stylist and the photographer and then the space. And, you know, obviously that's a luxury now. But mm-hmm. it's a thing where it's like I don't, I don't, I don't think it'll be a bad thing 
if things slowed down to the point where the artist can create slower, because you'll get, mm. it's like, you know, it's what, what do I say? It's not quantity, it's quality. Right. And I think there's a lot of work out there, including my own, that I'm just like, oof, if I had another week, you know, if mm. I had another week. And so I think, that I think everyone's at that point now, because I don't think, it's for me anyway, if you go back to working at the same pace, it's like, what lessons have you learned? Right. And this moment was, was the moment, if there ever has been any, yeah. where we should be reassessing the system that we're operating in. And I do feel like there was this real reluctance of revolution in that regard. It was like, let's just approximate the systems that existed pre-COVID and we'll do our Zoom shoots and we'll make sure everybody is still creatively outputting. But really we had this like extraordinary opportunity to change what this industry looks like. And I hope that we can still do that. But I wonder what your thoughts on what it could be are. I think if anything, what the last couple of months has taught me and the people I know is that you don't have to react straight away. Mm. I think a lot of people, because your first reaction isn't always the one you want out there, if that makes sense. So everyone's told, oh, you can't now fly. So everyone's now doing these Zoom cool shoots. And some of them are amazing. Some of them, it's like, your sister saying it as good as your other work. Right. So are you doing this just because you want to make sure people, your words are on people's lips? Or are you, gen, like, if no one could see these images or it wasn't, there wasn't social media, would you be doing that right now? Because mm. I had to ask myself that question because I did that one self-portrait for Garage and I did one for myself and the series that I kept doing, but I made a conscious decision that I'm not going to show anyone after this Instagram drop because I was like, I don't want to be conditioned to think, oh, um, it, needs to come, it needs to be present for now. It needs to, I want to flip the switch, like create work that doesn't need to be react, reactory. What's the word? It doesn't have to be a direct reaction to what's going on now. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I didn't do any Zoom call shoots only because I tried it. I was like, this doesn't look good. And in an ideal world, I wouldn't be doing this. So I'd rather do it when I've mastered it to a point where I think it's okay for me. Not just because, oh, this is all we have left. Because Zoom has always been there. FaceTime has always been there. So as a creative practitioner, why haven't I thought about using it before? If that makes sense. Oh, yeah. That's a really good point. And the reason why I haven't is because I didn't have an interest. So if I don't have an interest in it, and I still don't after this imposed lockdown, then it's not the right medium for me because I will see those images in five years and hate them for all the wrong reasons at a time where it was... There's a lot in the world going on. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hate any of the work because of, you know, FOMO. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel, I call it writing the timeline. I I would be lying if I didn't say that I don't think about that all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think that makes the pictures that we make into media for consumption instead of artwork for for to satisfy our need to create artwork um and i wonder how we get that back in this day and age when we can't physically be in the same spaces or when we you know when our travel is reduced but maybe it's okay that we do fewer projects i think it's fab because you start using homegrown talent again Mm. because even i realized that my pool of people i worked with a lot of them international which isn't wrong Mm -hmm. but then it's like but i'm from here 
And from, you know, who's here? Right. You know, who's actually here on my doorstep? And it's a thing where it's like, it's a blessing to travel, but it's also a blessing to be alive right now and healthy. So I take that first and the rest is relative. And it's like, and also it's people that don't live in like, say, New York and London and stuff. Like I want to, I'm like, like there's some stuff like Leslie Zhang um, from Shanghai. Mm-hmm. I love seeing their shoots. So I'm like, that's homegrown talent. You're working with people from there. So I'd love to see someone from Zimbabwe, someone from Papua New Guinea. Right. You know, I want to see it because like, instead of having, I don't understand this whole exporting of talents to make talents talents right I, yeah does it does make sense if yeah. you just want to stay at home in like west virginia and shoot there it, you're still as talented as you are do you know what i mean yeah traveling to london doesn't make you more talented in my mind at least definitely and i feel like you are at an advantage of being based in london because well, yeah, a it's a cultural hub it's a cultural hub the design is like predicated on the idea that like young people have the greatest ideas in the world mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is really stimulated and also i just feel like in your subject matter a lot of your work probably comes from who yeah. you are where you came from and you came from here yeah i'm i'm so interested in the perspective of others i know someone who grew up in like i don't know an austrian village you know i, I want to see that perspective because when i got into photography i looked at like, even my books here, like, a lot of my books aren't based on anything that looks like me. Mm. I have those that are, like, you know, like, um, Gordon Parks and James Van Nort. But then I've also got, like, uh, can't think of the top of my head, but um, it's called Cafe Lit or something like that. Mm. Um, and it's this guy that was basically, just went to this one bar, someone used to, I'm going to say, like, Berlin, but probably not, in, like, the um, 60s. And he was poor. He just took pictures of the people at this bar. And it's really gritty, black and white. These people were just like on drugs. But it was a different world. It was escapism. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that excites me so much more when someone's showing me a shoot of someone in my local pub down here. Because I know that. Yeah. You know, so for me, it's like, I'm excited to see when the next year or two, the work that comes out from just being where you are. Or the people that physically move themselves out from where they are because they realize this is not where I want to be. Like New Yorkers. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Like myself. I mean, what's interesting to think of is that in 20 years or 30 years when there's like a eight-year-old Campbell Addy walking around like deciding to be a photographer that the books that they're going to be referencing are going to be your books. (laughs) And it is going to be London. And it is going to be something new and different. And probably the reason why you had Gordon Parks but a lot of the books that you were reading didn't pertain to who you are or where you're from is because that there wasn't space to create that work. That is very true. And now there is true boundary breaking. I guess so. (laughs) See, that's a good boundary break. That's a good boundary break. That's not singular. It's, it's it's a cultural thing. I completely agree. Which is fab. Do you get in your DMS like young black photographers Asking you questions about where you got where you were? I used to, but I think I've done quite a lot of online interviews. Mm-hmm. And I've done a couple of lives recently. It's funny because I try and respond to all of them because it makes you so, so happy. Um, but I get a lot of um, DMs for assisting or just general like questions sometimes. And I try and respond or I share things. And, but I'm really, really bad at Instagram because it, it takes too much of my energy. But um, 
But I get emails from time to time, like random emails that sometimes make me cry. Oh. And, and it's not young people, you'd be surprised. Really? Yeah, I got an email from this ex-Jehovah's Witness. She was probably in her 50s. And she oh. was just like, I came, because I did an exhibition, my first mini solo, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, talking about being a Jehovah's Witness and just going through that. And she was just like, um, saying that I've... N- I've never been able to talk about this because she left, she left the truth when she was like in her 20s, but left everything behind mm. and never spoke about it again. So she just had a new life. People just, she never told, and she, this long email, I was like, oh my God. And then, oh, and another email I forgot to tell you. Yeah, tell me. It's actually, I wanted to tell you in person. So the shoot we did for WSJ, yeah. for Hollywood. So the house that we were obsessed with, so someone emails me, this is what's what I love about the internet. Someone emails me pictures of the house in the 70s and says, Oh my god, please, is this the house? Please tell me it's that it's the house I grew up in. <gasps> yes, so a child whose parents, I think the parents designed it. Yeah, they're all architects. And I was just like, Oh my god, yes, this is your house. And they, they sent me like pictures. So that like, is crazy. So I feel like you yeah. and I always freak out about the architecture yeah. though. Like it's- that house was insane. It was, I mean, maybe we stalked the guy, was like asking questions. Yes. And I mean, we, we walked, instead of doing a recce, we walked around asking, how did these doors close? And, <laughs> was, no. and then it came time to shoot, and we were like, oh. Oh, let's just shoot in the grass. Right there. Um, but so stuff like that that I think it's, but there's one thing I was talking to James Bunnell recently, and I was just in awe, because I'm like, I've always wanted to have a f- father inverted commas with a figure in terms of creativity when i started shooting there wasn't yeah there were, there, i what black photographer one my similar age group or older could i sit down with that was making work in the current zeitgeist they weren't like you yeah. know in the national portrait gallery like already god tier status you know yeah so that i think is cool i get those dms i'm like yes come over um, I try and be more like camaraderie and be like, and I just say to them, I even sit down on my calls and right. as I want to show you not just how to take a picture. Um, so yeah. But the world of it, how to navigate the industry. I think mentorship is so important in our industry. And it's something that I guess when our generation was just starting out, it was something that you could find if you tried really, really hard. But as you were saying, it's not, it wasn't like prevalent and it was, yeah we are so lucky to have gotten to the place that we are because there wasn't a lot of support in a lot of of traditional ways. So being able to give back in that way right now should be the focus, I think, of our entire creative class. I would love a mentor. Like, I would assist. I would would be a runner. Yeah. You know, I don't don't believe in being too big to be an assistant yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You know i mean even yeah. if i'm in the same issue or cover issue and as a photographer in there or something i would assist that photographer if i like them you know yeah it's, I, I don't for me you can always learn and i love learning i miss school so you know yeah i feel like one one what i was thinking about during quarantine as a way to kind of have that feeling of camaraderie and like learning from one another was finding a way in which collaboration within your discipline is possible like would you ever work with another yes, photographer I, would. You, I literally had this conversation today with really Ms. Campbell. yeah because i was like 
people always find me weird because that's my boyfriend saying the other day like if i look to you from afar you can sometimes not kind of cold but you're very professional with your instagram so then i literally would dm a photographer i don't know who they are oh my god i love your work <laughs> and it can't and, and then some people just leave me on red yeah because i like one person's like hey, i would love to do like a collaborative project like me and six photographers and it's just us taking pictures and they didn't reply and i was like oh so I sent into one photographer's DM just because I genuinely was enamored. I'd never seen the work before. I was like, oh my God. And I literally, on the spot, my mind just exploded with ideas of what we could do. And then they did it. I was like, I would love to do a project with you, like six other photographers. And they just left me on red. And I was just like, oh, did I say something wrong? Or was I a professional? You know, we come to my friend. And they're like, just because you are very much like, I don't care who comes on my set. I'm not like closed set type of person. Because in my mind, I'm just like, we all, we all, you know, you know, artists or chefs in this one big kitchen. I'd love to we can all learn off one one another and camaraderie communities how I got to where I am. So mm-hmm. it's something I love to see. But I realised then in that moment it's not the same for everyone else. Like some people, oh you're gonna steal my lighting or you still and I'm like I learned from a young age in GCSE art, um, because this girl was really really like oh my god you're stealing you're like copying my drawing and my mm. art tutor made an example of her and said listen if i put this apple here and all gave you a graphite stick you'd it you'd all draw it differently and that's the beauty of what we do mm-hmm. it comes from within out into whatever you choose so that's how i see it i realize a lot of people don't but in an ideal world i'd love to do like one project with all like it's like, you know, like they do those charity songs. You have like Miley Cyrus. Yes. Beyonce, oh my gosh. Yes. I want to do like a rock those. the vote song. Yes. And like, because in my mind, it's like I say to some, to some of my friends, like to you, I get so jealous of sometimes of you and like Julia and because you're working with people I generally like idolize, like as yeah. photographers. And, I, and then I meet them and then like, I'm like, it's weird. It's weird. Like I still feel like the kid who's 16. Yeah. I, like I remember like meeting Tim Walker. Like, my God, Tim Walker. He's like, my God, you're great. I'm like, you know who I am? And like, it's so weird. Do you know what I mean? But it's just who I think it's always who I'm going to be. It is. You know what I mean? It is. I think I share that with you too. Like I am a real fan of the work and like I'll always be excited about mm. the people that I look up to. And I do think that for, for some reason or another, the system as it exists is organized around the concept of like rarity and competition and like it's not big enough for all of us and like there's only a few people who can be at the very top and i just don't i just think we should do away with that idea in my mind it's like i love the craft before i love my ego yeah 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 yeah. it's like and i never go i wish i did that i'm just excited that i'm part Part of, of a it. space that people are creating such amazing work. Like Leslie Zhang, I DM'd them. I was like, if I'm ever in Shanghai, never know when I will be. But if <laughs> I ever am, I'm going to say, I'm going to come, like, let me assist you. Like, it's so weird. And people find, think I'm joking. I'm joking. Like, I will hold that light meter. I will hold that reflector. To be a part of the experience. Yeah, just because in my mind, it's just, it's like, it's like going to see Grace Jones live, you know, and Beyonce will still be enamored and stand it and be in awe because real recognizes real. Right. And no one's stealing or just appreciating, you know, and that's mm-hmm. how I feel when it's like, like I hear someone shooting a job and I'm like, oh my God. Everyone's like, what do you mean? It's like, I just can't wait to like, I would, I would love to, like, why didn't I become a stylist? Because then I could, yeah. You know, so it's just in my mind, it's just, and I just wonder, but then I also wonder how I execute that 
to um to allow people's egos to have room too because we all have egos we can't sit there and say we don't so if i had to do like a publication back to back with all the photographers i love and we all were on the same shoot what do we do how do you get like your space to have that vision and how do you communicate that into i mean that's so funny that you say that because i was literally just about to be like i'm so here for the paradigm shift and for the revolution and for this young creative class to become the ruling creative class because i feel like we have if not stripped away then at least mitigated the damage that like ego can do 100 percent I agree. We all have them. It needs to exist. A part of a part of like the fire in this industry is that everybody's out there trying to do the best work they possibly can. Yeah. I just, I hope that in this new beginning, uh, you know, on the other side of this boundary of COVID, that the industry looks a little bit more like collaboration and celebration. Um, well, I think, and a less like competition. Because think going back to the concept of breaking boundaries, that would break a boundary on a cultural scale. Now, when you think about it in terms of, I think about generations, right? You had the indigo babies, now you've got the rainbow children, right? Mm-hmm. Those people are the ones ushering a new change. And for me, it is that collaborative change because it's not just our industry. It's, it's, it's a minorities within industries as a whole. If you mm-hmm. think about female rap, what Megan has done in terms of simply just being like, no, it's cool. I can be friends with everyone. I can... God, my talent will precede the tabloid's bitchery. So I think that's the, the next step of breaking boundaries for me is, it's like finding a way to, uh, like, for example, if it was like Raphael Pavarotti. Love, adore. Jack Davison. Love. And Leslie Jean. All did one cover. How would that look? That's what I'm, like, how interesting and exciting is that? So, you know, so, but then I know, like I spoke to them all, and they're all so lovely from what I've met with them. I don't, there is no ego there. Mm-hmm. Well, how it looks obviously is a different situation, but I think that's what I think the next breaking boundaries when entries are. But the boundary breaking is cool though. The boundary breaking is cool. Like, I hope someone hears this and does those shoots with those three guys. I mean, we're going to do that. Okay. Let's like definitely make it happen. I mean, speaking of New Horizons, before I let you go, I feel like we need to talk about what's next for you specifically. I feel like I know. I don't know how much you can say. I'm going to say it. Mm. Well, I've always said my, my first love has always been films. Like we, when we first, the first shoot was supposed to do and could have yes. reasons. Yes. I was so, I still kick, you know, I still sit there and I have, I, I get references. Oh, me too. I'm going to do it with you one day. Because you came to me with an idea and it was more of, it was more of a narrative. It wasn't yeah. stills. And then we were practically just putting stills on a narrative. Um, so I want to do more narrative work. It's, 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 I want to do a short of some sort. I want to, because it's, it's the thing where talking about the whole mentorship and um, like looking at anime, not seeing yourself in it. I realised, especially seeing like Michaela Coles, I May Destroy You. As a British oh. person, it was like, I realised I, I still don't see myself as a black British boy in cinema. And if I do, it's often, it's often like, amplified for the masses yeah caricature yes Mm -hmm. and especially british because growing up a lot of my black 
um, experiences on the screen were American. I didn't have black British sitcoms, there was very few. Um, and so I'm kind of thinking, what does my experience look like? Like I want to have my narrative in the world so then little old me in the future isn't alone. Mm-hmm. And also to work through things. But I love, I, I love film. I think I look at film more than I will ever look at imagery. Mm. Um, I want to start with a short. I kind of just want to, yeah, I want to bring my photos to life, I guess. I cannot wait to see that film. If, I, if it's anything like the still imagery you make, it will be brilliant. Yeah. I just like love that we can have this chat. Let's get something on the book soon. Yes, I know. Again, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And the BFC. Thanks, BFC. <laughs> Bye. Ciao. Fashion Forum is a co-production between the British Fashion Council and In Talks With Productions. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with your friends. If you'd like to find out more and join the conversation on social media, then head to londonfashionweek.co.uk or at London Fashion Week. 